The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for this show comes from the Beyond Suffering Bible, a Bible for people who want to understand what it looks like to think and live like a Christian in the midst of hardship. It is ideal for caregivers, ministers, or the person who is suffering. Begin your journey from endless struggles to God's infinite hope at beyondsufferingbible.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Rabbi Alana Zaman, the first woman rabbi from a family spanning six generations of rabbis. Ilana received her rabbinic ordination from the Jewish Theological Seminary, and she's currently a chaplain, a faculty member of the Harborview Medical Center. She's a renowned speaker, a workshop facilitator, and the author of a new book, The Forever Letter, Writing What We Believe for Those We Love. A review of the book appears in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine, and that's going to be the focus of our conversation. Rabbi Alana, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I just do have to correct something, which is I think I'm adjunct. I'm just as a chaplain for the CPE program. I just want to make it clear so that... (laughs) I was giving you a promotion and then you you could have gone and got a raise. You were, but I I like to be honest. You know, I go by honesty. (laughs) At least one of us does. That's good. (laughs) So we're going to talk about your your book, which I've read and it really is interesting and it's something that I've been involved with for a very long time and I love your take on it, but I'm sure most of the people in the audience have never heard of this idea of a forever letter, which is your take on an old Jewish tradition called the ethical will. And in fact, as I think about it, I imagine most Jews who are listening to this show don't know what an ethical will is. So why don't we start with that? Give us some background on the forever letter, link it to the ethical will, and then tell us how you've updated it for today. Okay, sure. Um, The forever letter was inspired by this medieval Jewish tradition of the ethical will, a letter that fathers in the earlier period and later a mother or parents would write to their children to share their ethical and religious values and precepts. In Hebrew, the word for these letters is tzvaot or commandments. And many, though by no means all, expressed a sense of commandedness in their tone. These ethical and religious precepts were found in the holy books, the Torah, the Talmud, and others. But there are so many precepts in the whole of tradition, what parents wouldn't want to share pieces of the tradition that they felt strongly about, 
or uplift some wisdom that they thought their child or children may benefit from hearing. So given the opportunity, who doesn't want to get a little more personal? What parent wouldn't want to? Around these ethical wills or commandments or even letters, they were in the letters in Egeret, and there was a sense of, uh, the, sometimes they were called an Egeret as well. There was a sense of urgency. Some parents wrote their letters to their children early on in the children's lives, you know, shortly after they were born and then added to them over the years. And still others wrote uh, theirs at the end of their lives or what they thought to be at the coming to the end of their own lives, or maybe even before setting out on a journey that they were afraid of a safe return. And so it's from these, these ancient letters that the forever letter was born. And what's, what's cool about actually the ethical wills when they were done in their period was that um, during that time, it was part of the ethical literature of that period. And there were a lot of ethical treatises and homilies being written by scholars, but this was open to the everyday person. So the forever letter is based on this. And it's, the forever letter is a, a, a term I coined uh, for a heartfelt letter that we write to the people who are most important to us to share our values, our wisdom, our appreciation, our forgiveness, and our love. And the hope is that our letter will be so meaningful to the person or persons we're writing to uh, that they will want to hold on to it forever. Like an ethical will, a tzivah or an igaret, um, a forever letter is written from a place of authenticity, authentically putting your values and wisdom on the page, putting yourself on the page. Uh, I'd say the tone encouraged in a forever letter is, however, a less commanding tone, more a stating of hard truths with love, and a speaking in a way that shows you're attuned emotionally, spiritually, humanly, psychologically to the people in your life you're writing to. And it need not only be children that you write to. The forever letter is a letter anyone can write to anyone. So the question are really, what do you most want to say to the people you love about them? about you, about your relationship? How can you honor them, uplift them, believe in them? What do you hope for them? For what do you have to ask forgiveness? What do you need to forgive? Have you expressed your love? I mean, maybe- So would you, would you give this? Yeah. I mean, I always practice the thing with ethical will is something that was given to the person after the author of the letter has passed away. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. the, the way you're defining is really, you could give it to them at any time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes people would put these letters, um, sometimes actually, yeah, the ethical will, I think the tradition in general was to leave to be found after your death, though, um, I do think some were, were shared a little bit, you know, uh, before perhaps the person died, but it's been, it's, it's a little more common, I think, to to want to share. And the reason I suggest doing that is because, well, let me tell you a story. There was um, a man in a workshop that I led and he had to go into his mother's safe deposit box to pick out some papers for her because she was going through a health crisis. And in the safe deposit box, he saw a letter that was for him and he was so excited, but he couldn't read it yet because she was still living. And so he kind of looked forward. What, what does this letter say? And after her death, um, and when he went to the safe deposit box, the letter was no longer there. And oh, wow. it, it was, yeah, it was really, it was really sad for him. And he was in tears as he spoke about it. Now, who knows what was in the letter, if it felt too heavy handed or the mother took it out. It's, it's unclear, but this need and want to hear from the people we love uh, is yeah. so huge. Um, so, people so maybe, maybe the letter, maybe her letter just said, 
you never call me. And she decided, you know, maybe, maybe it's too late for that one. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so, I, some people, people love uh, you, but you asked a question I didn't quite answer, which was after death or before, but people will put them in their underwear drawers to be found later. But the thing that is that if you share it while you're still alive, and most of us have issues of, you know, that we want to ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness or, or just, you know, highlight something that maybe we weren't as clear about to, because maybe we hurt someone's feelings or someone hurt us. We want to honor them. So if we do it while we're still alive, we have the, we have the opportunity to change the relationship and to connect in a deeper way. And that's the beauty of it because things go unsaid. And then after someone's gone, you know, oh, this feeling of, I should have, I wish I only had, and this is an opportunity to do so. And by doing it in writing, it gives the upper, it, 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 the beauty of that is you don't call someone, maybe you're not talking to someone for a while and you, you call them, um, they might not answer the phone. They may not know what to do because it's such a shock. But if you send a letter, they can look at it a few times, they can peruse it, right. they can take it in over time. And that is a blessing. And you can write it and rewrite it and make sure it says it's, exactly what exactly, you want it to say. Exactly. I actually did this for my grandson. My grandson is not yet two and I wrote a series of letters. Actually, I used the Hebrew alphabet, so we did 22 letters, short letters to him uh, that while he was in utero over that wow. nine-month period. And I wrote to him about what I, you know, what my beliefs are and how I understand Judaism and the kind of person I hope he grows up to be. Uh, and my my wife. Uh, took them and put them in actual letter format. She made envelopes. She illustrated the letters and then she folded them up and put them in envelopes that she made. And there's a book for him that she illustrated. And the letters, each page of the book has a letter in a slot that when he's old enough, whenever that would be, <laughs> if the book survives, uh, you know, that he can pull it out and and read uh, what I had to, th what I was thinking about while he was, he was uh, growing in his ages, mother's yeah. Yeah, his mother's belly. But, oh, you know, wow. when when I had a synagogue, we did this and, and I, I, I didn't think of it as broadly as you did. I was thinking of it in terms of uh, a letter of this is what I believe. I guess the way you wrote in the subtitle, which I loved writing what we believe for those we love. And I would encourage people to write them uh, late in life. For, for their children if they, and their grandchildren, if they had any, or nieces or nephews or whoever they wanted to do it for. Uh, and, and one of the things that would come up on a regular basis is people would say, but, but I have nothing to say. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what I believe. So how do you respond to that when someone says, I mean, you, when you talk about forgiveness and, and, and talking about issues that have happened or that you're, you're commenting on from the past, but what if you're passing on your beliefs and you're just not I don't know. People would say, I, I just don't know what I believe. I'm afraid to write it down because I could be wrong. Uh, you know, well, that's the fear of writing in general anyway, because, right. you know, we'd write something and then we'd look at it the next day and we're like, you think it's beautiful. And then two days later, oh, you know, it really doesn't look so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, one day we're a genius, the next day we're a complete idiot, right? But um, the, um, you know, there's, there are people who have said things like that, but I, I don't put it when I, when I, I say, what do you, what's most important to you to share with the people you care about and phrasing it that way is, a, or, you know, or what are some of your values? And we do write, I do different writing exercises with people. And, you know, when I start with prompts 
And uh, the book is filled with those as well. And the idea is that, you know, if you're sitting down to write, and it, it feels like an awesome task, task, like who can do this? And no, I can't possibly do this. And people keep wanting to put it off because it's hard. It's hard to sit down and do. And so just having little prompts and exercises to respond to uh, creates a kind of, um, what shall I say, like a, 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 a file of material that then people can are getting it out. They're getting out their thoughts. They're getting out their values, their wisdom, their love, just through answering some questions. Like, what's the most important to you? And people begin to write. What's most important? What do they believe? What, what do they care about? And then the belief feeling kind of just emerges. And there are people who don't, are not a part of any faith, and that's fine. And maybe what they believe is something to do. They're artists, and they believe in art and expressing art. And that's what they want to do. So they about. do it. They so, do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I think we've been clear, but just on the off chance that we haven't, I mean, this is not a book about Jews or for Jews or about Judaism. I mean, this is, you've really taken this tr this tradition from Judaism, but universalized it uh, in, in a beautiful way. And there were two things in the book that I think will help answer my question about when people say, well, I don't know what to write, or I don't know, you know what I believe. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. First of all, you've got lots of stories in here, you know, how, of people wrestling with these forever letters. And then your chapter seven is thoughts on the writing process. And you really uh, help help people get through that and provide a lot of prompts. So it's it's like having a coach sitting with you if you work through the book uh, to if you work through if you work through the book and just don't read the book, you'll probably end up with a forever letter or at least a rough draft of one um, in the in the, by the time you finish the book. And I thought that was really a very smart way of of doing this. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, and you really answered it, I, I think, because you said you could do it through art. Again, back in my congregational rabbi days, I had this wonderful man who died very young. He had two little kids. And he wanted to do this and never got around to doing it until he was too weak to write. But he was a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a broadcast journalist. He was an international correspondent and he, with a local station, uh, and, and he got people to set up cameras and sound equipment in his, he was living and he was dying at home in sort of a hospice situation at home. And he had them set up a little studio in his bedroom and he did it the way he did the you know his news shows every night mm, and wow. he talked to the kids directly and they had his voice and they and, they, and, he, and he did the ethical will I mean he knew what he wanted to say he just could no longer you know put pen to paper and what was really cool is we used the audio or we used the part of the the um, ethical will or forever letter we used it at his funeral he gave his own eulogy in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then his uh, TV station used part of the audio as their uh, closeout at uh, you know, when, when it would have been his broadcast. They ended with with him talking to his kids. 
and through them to the audience. It was really powerful. So that was a long intro to the question. Uh, (laughs) If if people don't want to write, they could tape it. They could paint it. They could do a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. People can approach us in any way they they want. I do I do suggest writing initially um, because sometimes I think that when we write, we can get to a deeper place than we might not get to otherwise. And I think sometimes we think we are someone and as we write, we realize maybe we're not the someone that we think we are. Oh, maybe- tell me more about tell me more about that. So, I mean, I, I don't know when I sat down to write a forever letter to my son and I wrote it when I was about 44 and he was six and a half and I've written others since then. And the beauty, like when you spoke about when you wrote, um, you know, based on each letter of the alphabet, all of these letters that your wife collected um, to put in that special, you know, booklet, um, there, there's something about this, um, there's just something about this idea of I lost my train of thought. I was so excited about it, and then I lost it. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Rami, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> I was getting so excited. <laughs> well, so, so <laughs> you were talking about how people uh, think of themselves one way, but then in the yes, writing process. So yeah. Exactly. So I was sitting there, and I was writing um, this letter to my son, and I was, you know, just when I put his name on the page, I began to cry because I realized that, you know, I want to be around to see him grow up, but who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the world. Look at what just has it been happening right. in our world. Um, the terrorism, the violence, the sudden explosions or shootings. We don't know. Uh, and we don't know what age it will happen at either. So I sat down and I wrote this letter and I'm, and I'm writing it. And as I'm writing it, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, um, oh, I, I, I wanted to to say this special, uh, sing this special song to him in the morning. And as I wrote it, I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't do that. I thought I was going to, and I didn't. And some other things, I was going to do this with him, and I didn't. And so what were my values? Were my values really what I thought they were? How come I wasn't living them? Or was I, or did some of those values kind of go more into the background? And different values were the values that were now uh, more in the forefront. And so it, it, what, the beauty of writing this kind of letter is not that you're is, is not writing it just for the people you're writing to, but when you write it and when you sit down and use the writing process, you're actually learning a lot about yourself, about who you are and who you aren't. And it can help uh, to also help clarify, you know, who you maybe want to become that you are not yet, what maybe you need to shed uh, to be able to get there. So have it works, you? I think in that way too. Have you shared this one letter in particular that you wrote for your son? Have you shared it with, with him? Well, I, <laughs> it's very funny. I did uh, at one point. And my son is not a reader. He really doesn't like to read. And so um, uh, I had a, actually, I had a book launch the other evening. And as part of that, I read sections of it. And, uh, and he was there. And so I oh, he was there. Pieces okay. of it. <laughs> I know he's heard pieces of it. He's, he's at this point, he is um, 17. So he has heard pieces and I think he was, he was, he was cool with it. I, I'm not sure I would share a letter that I wrote to him more recently because, you know, as, as we get, as he gets older and stuff, there's more personal things, you know, when right. you're going to a four-year-old, you're, you're anticipating who this person will become. Um, but um, yeah, I've written to him several letters uh, over the course of the years. What about in your work as a chaplain? Have you, does this, 
when you go to people and I mean, maybe you don't do this, but do you suggest this when you're working with people in, in the hospital? I'd visit the hospital a little less these days. I do more teaching, um, but I, I do sometimes visit. Um, I, I'm working more with elders uh, in my in this context. And yeah, um, I, I've worked with them to create these letters uh, before. And in fact, we had a celebration at one point where uh, in the retirement community where I work, um, I introduced the concept and invited people who wanted to do it, uh, to do it, and that I would help. And several people really took me up on it. And we had a celebration uh, evening where we invited the families of, of people. Wow. And we had the letters, um, you know, put in envelopes. And each person read just a little section. And then their family came up and they handed out these letters. And it was, you know, a time of tears and beauty and love. And the families didn't, I don't know, didn't quite know what what they were coming to. They thought that, you know, but but it ended up being this just beautiful experience. And that is said, really powerful. It was really powerful. And it can be, again, it, it doesn't, people wait, like you had said, people wait until the later years. But there is something about doing it a couple times or many times mm-hmm. in life you could do it. Because as you say, you, it's, it's the relationship about you, with you and that person at that period in time. It's who they were when they were that age, who you were when you were that age. And that's sort of what you did with your, with your volume that you created at different points in time, you know, to be able to look back and to have that uh, as a gift, not, not just, you know, what's going on in life, but what do I believe? What do I feel? What's our relationship? It's a, it's a very powerful thing. It really is a powerful thing. And you wrote a powerful book about it. Um, so I, I hope people will uh, be inspired by our short conversation uh, to get the book and to to actually do this. So I, I can hear somebody in their head saying, "Oh, I'll put it on Facebook," but no, don't <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. This this is you know it, it it's interesting because it's not only and you know its roots are ancient, but the technology is old. You know, the technology to sit down and actually write something out is is far more intimate than, you know, sending an email or something like that. So you, you've done, I think, all of us a really great service with this book. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. The, this, you're right. This ability to be uh, reflective is not something we do as well yeah. in this day and age with with all of the tweets and Twitters and not that that's bad. I'm not commenting saying it's bad, but there is time for reflection that is really um, important. Yeah. And writing provides us with that. So this was really very, very helpful, very timely book. Our guest today uh, was Rabbi Ilana Zyman. She's the author of The Forever Letter, Writing What We Believe for Those We Love. A review of the book appears in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Rabbi Alana's work on her website, alanazyman.com. So, Alana, again, thanks so much for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Support for Essential Conversations comes from the Beyond Suffering Bible, a Bible for people who want to understand what it looks like to think and live like a Christian in the midst of hardship. It's ideal for caregivers, ministers, or anyone who's suffering. Begin your journey from endless struggles to God's infinite hope at beyondsufferingbible.com. 
Central Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Central Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator and executive producer is Al Matasi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>